teenager, I used to live near Turtle Creek. Many of you know about that. It's in Dallas, beautiful area. If I was a multi-billionaire, I'd want one of those mansions, and I want to live right there. And I would commute happily. If I was that rich, I'd have a helicopter bring me here. But I used to love to go down and feed the ducks I, because there's ducks all over the place in Turtle Creek. And I noticed something. We went down there with a little bit of bread. You threw the first piece in. One duck would spot it. And that duck would paddle over. And he let out a quack that was distinct from all other quacks. And he's informing his fellow ducks he has found bread. And all of a sudden, they come from every direction. You didn't even see them until he quacked. And all of a sudden, they're coming from every direction. And what began with one is like a 100 ducks all going for the bread. Now, today, I'm going to give you something to quack about. (laughs) Amen? I'm going to give you something to quack about because Easter cometh. And I'm going to give some bread to you. I want to give you some bread. Because you know what, everybody? You have what the world wishes it had. You know who the world is seeking for. They just don't know it. And so I believe that since God put into, even into nature, he just put into nature this thing that when, when one finds bread, they inform all the others. They share the bread. They let the word out. It's just natural. Now, how many of you can say, I know that Jesus is the bread of life And thank God, by grace, I'm saved. All right? So we ought to be quacking here, quacking there, quacking over here and there, and calling other people to the house of God and to the Lord we know. Amen? So I'm going to talk to you today. I'm going to just begin a series called Risen. And um, we're heading up. We're we're four weeks, four Sundays from Easter. And um, I'm going to talk to you about just basically the road to the resurrection. I'm going to pull out some things. Um that I think have stood out to me when I think about Easter, one of them is for sure what I'm going to talk about today, and that is, who is Jesus? Now, that may sound like a strange question to you, but you know what? It's no strange question out there. Everybody wants to know who Jesus is. And you know what? They don't really know who Jesus is, what he said, what he claimed, what he said about himself, and I'm going to share that with you today. I'm going to give you breadcrumbs to go out there and throw in the water and start quacking. Okay, Matthew 16, 13 to 15, let's just look at how Jesus came to know there was a controversy about him. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am the son of man, or who do men say that I, the son of man, am? What are people saying about me? Who are they saying that I am? What's their take on me? What do they understand about me or not? And then they said in verse 14, well, you know, some of them are saying John the Baptist. Others are saying you're Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, come back from the dead. Or one of the other major minor prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, who knows? He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you? who are following me, say that I am. Now, we know that Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was thrilled 
that Simon Peter had received a revelation. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. But I want to just let the, the question linger. Who do you say that I am? Now, that's the most important question in life. That one. That's the most important question to answer for any life. Who do you say that I am? Some watching by streaming video right now. Maybe you came across us on the webpage or uh, some other way, and you're, you're sneaking a peek at what we're about. Let me ask you a question. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you here say that he is? See, I think if the church isn't clear about who he is, how in the world are we going to tell anybody else who he is? So let's pray. Father, I just thank you that your word is so clear about Jesus. Now, Lord, as we come up to Easter, the most um, fruitful and opportune time to reach souls in the whole year as far as church goes. Lord, I pray that as we hear who you are, they will be like breadcrumbs that we take and we announce and we let others know what we have found and we invite them to eat what we are eating, to drink what we are drinking, to experience what we are experiencing in Jesus. And I thank you for it in your mighty name. Now let's take a moment before we're seated. And I want you to think of somebody you know who needs Jesus. Just think of somebody. It's a spouse. It's a child. It's a neighbor. It's a friend. Somebody. I know several. And I want us to take a minute. Let's just say, Lord, I'm asking you to help me to reach. Now you put their name in. Help me to reach, to invite, and put their name in. And Lord, thank you that as Easter arrives, we're going to see an amazing touch from God as multitudes are saved, brought into the light because we told them in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I know God heard that prayer, amen. Now, this passage shows that there was a great deal of confusion in Jesus' day about who he was. Now, I'm going to say that again. In, in Jesus' day, when he was walking the earth, right there in flesh and blood, there was a lot of confusion about who he was. Even though he was healing the sick, raising the dead, multiplying the fishes and the loaves, walking on water, casting out devils, teaching you like no man ever taught, yet even then, there was a lot of confusion about who Jesus was. Now, Jesus has simply asked his disciples here who people have concluded that he is. And, and, and nobody was, was quite sure who he was. Nobody could really answer it. Some said John the Baptist. Some said Elijah. Some said this. Some said that. You know, there's a lot of scuttlebutt out there about you, Jesus. But, but nobody is really nailing it. Only Simon Peter nailed it. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not cause you to arrive at that conclusion. My father in heaven gave you a revelation. My father in heaven revealed it to you. If he hadn't revealed it to you, you would not have known it. But aside from Simon Peter, nobody knew. They just had a great big question mark. They liked what he was doing. They liked that he was a free lunch if you followed him. They, they, they liked what they saw going on, and he was certainly an amazing guy, no doubt about it. 
but there was confusion about who he was. So Jesus, even in his own time, was very controversial. He was a controversial figure. Everybody had an opinion about him, but they were all wrong. They had an opinion, but they were wrong. Can I say that again? They had an opinion about him, but they were all wrong. And it's no different today. I'm amazed when I talk to people about Jesus who don't know Jesus, how little they do know about Jesus. You would think in America they'd know a lot about Jesus, but we can't assume that anymore, church. Uh, They don't know a lot about Jesus at all. They don't know much about Jesus. When you say what Jesus said, when you quote him, they go, I didn't know he said that. I didn't know he claimed that. I didn't know that was something he was about. Now, now we're days away from that time of year when people all over the world are, are, are going to be confronted with Easter, the Jesus story. They're going to be confronted with the message of Jesus, particularly his resurrection. And, and they're going to go to church, many of them for the very uh, first time or only time in their life, uh, or the only time that year. They're going to go just this once. They're going to go for Easter. Now, now some of them are going to go to celebrate a resurrection that they believe in, but others of them are going to go just because it's Easter. They're going to go just because it's Easter, and that's what you do. You put on your nice new dress, you put on your little Easter bonnet, and and you go to church, and and you say hello to everybody, and you have your good Easter time, and you go home, and the rest of the year, you don't live for him at all. It's just an Easter thing. And I've noticed this. That around this time of year, and you're going to see it, the secular, non-Christian slice of the population is either going to ignore Easter like it's not even happening, or they're going to do what our own secular media so often do. They're going to put pictures on their magazine covers of of Jesus, some portrait of Jesus, and they're going to headline the, the cover of that magazine with doubtful, skeptical titles about Jesus and who he was and the Christian message, the Christian faith and the man, Jesus. And they're going to, they sow doubt and they sow skepticism during this time of the year. They never celebrate that he rose from the dead. They always throw a question out there about whether he really did or who was he really. We don't really know who he was. I looked a few of those magazine covers up from a few decades gone by. Let me just read to you an example of what I'm talking about, how our culture looks at Jesus. One Newsweek cover read this, rethinking the resurrection, a new debate. You know what that means, interpreted? Did he really rise from the dead? We're not so sure. Rethinking it. Another cover said the radical Jesus. Five lessons from the original revolutionary. Oh, so Jesus was a revolutionary. One Life magazine cover asked the question, who was he? solving the mystery of Jesus. See, I'm not mystified about him. I'm not wondering who he is, but our culture is. Our culture is. A Newsmax cover wondered the Jesus question. Will he really ever return? Will he ever return? There's that doubt. They do it every year. Several of them are about searching for Jesus. One Time Magazine cover said, the search for Jesus. I'd love to tell them where to find him. A Newsweek cover read, searching for the real Jesus. U.S. News and World Report said, in search of Jesus. Another Time Magazine Easter cover asked the million-dollar question, why did Jesus have to die? 
See, there's a lot of curiosity out there about our Lord. So that's why today I want to give you some breadcrumbs to go out and quack about. Amen? Go out and quack about. Everybody say quack, quack. All right, if we can do that, then you can say, hey, I know Jesus. I want to invite you to know him like I do or invite you to church. Now, here's the bottom line. When Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And he got several responses. The same question today would elicit even more variety in responses because, listen, the devil makes sure that people are not clear about Jesus. Can I say that again? Satan makes real sure that people are not clear about Jesus because if they're clear about Jesus, they might just get saved. Amen? Now, some out there, if you were to go out there right now to any restaurant and just start asking, who was Jesus? Some of them would say, oh, he was a good teacher. He was really a good teacher. He was a good man. He was a holy man. Oh, he was one of several equally important historic religious figures right alongside Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, and so on. Some would go so far as to say, because I've read this, he never really existed. His disciples made it all up. He's a historic myth. He's a legend. He wasn't real. And then others, and I've read this as well, would accuse him of being a first century scam artist, that he was certainly not who he said he was. Now, listen, I believe the question of the hour, the question of the hour is who was Jesus? Who is Jesus? Who was it that walked the shores of Galilee? Who was it that called those 12 to follow him and they dropped everything and walked away? from hearth, home, friends, family? Who was it that has made such a footprint on the history of the world that nobody else has ever even come close? Now, I believe the most important question a person can answer for themselves individually is who was Jesus? How many of you can say, I asked it and I'm glad I got an answer? Come on, everybody. I asked it, and I'm glad I got an answer. If you're thankful for amazing grace, give the Lord a hand of praise today. Amen, amen. Now, I believe it's the most important question you can ever ask and get answered is because the Bible says that every human being on earth will answer to God for what they did with Jesus Christ. Pilate asked the Jews at Jesus' trial, What should I do with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? That is the question of the hour. What should I, what should you, what should the world do with Jesus? I got news for you. The answer for the world is not Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, or anywhere in Washington at all. The answer for the sickness and the need and the pain and the turmoil of the world is Answering that question, who was and who is Jesus? Because in him is our salvation, in him is our deliverance, in him is our peace. So today I want to deal with the question, who was he? And again, keep in mind, there are loved ones of yours out there that don't know the answer to the question that I'm about to give you today. These answers, these breadcrumbs, there's people out there that you know and love that don't know, don't know the things I'm about to tell you but they can come to know them. Well, Jesus left no doubt as to who he claimed to be. When you ask the question, who was Jesus? He answered it. He answered it himself. 
So let me give you some of the things that Jesus claimed about himself. And I know you're saying, I know I'm talking to the choir, but this is a breadcrumb for you to go out with some, some intensity and some earnestness to, to go out there and tell people, hey, did you know and tell them what you just heard today? First, Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus himself claimed to be God. In a heated dispute with the Pharisees one day, and he was always, always haggling with them, Jesus made the stunning claim, I and my Father are one. And they immediately pounced on this statement. Look at what they said. John records, the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I've shown you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him saying, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man, make yourself God. The Pharisees were very clear about what Jesus was saying about himself. Folks, he was not a first century hippie walking through the religious tulips saying nice things to people to make them feel better about themselves. When Jesus stepped onto the stage of history, God stepped onto the stage of history in the form of a human being. God wrapped himself in skin and became one of us. God became one of us. I want you to know that Jesus was not less than God. He was not just a good preacher, good teacher, miracle worker. Jesus was God. God, God. I want you to say that with me. Jesus was God. Have you really thought about that? Has that, that ever turned over in your head? His disciples believe that about Jesus. Again, the apostle John writes this about Jesus. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive. Now watch this. And is himself God. He created everything that there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. So John says that Jesus was never created, but always existed, which can only be true of God. And that the creation of all things flowed through his, finger tri- his fingertips, which can only be true of God. And then John says plainly, he himself is God. Jesus was God, and he is God. When doubting Thomas saw the resurrected Christ with his own eyes, he exclaimed, my Lord and my God. Amen. We just worship. When you worship Jesus, you're worshiping God, creator of all things, creator of all things, very God. And Jesus went even further and said, not only am I God, but I also am the only begotten son of God. In the famous verse, John 3.16, and you know, Jesus spoke John 3.16. John 3.16 is written in red ink. Jesus said it. And John 3.16, he says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Speaking of himself, only begotten. Now that little phrase, only begotten in the Greek language, means one and only offspring, one of a kind, the only one of its kind. Meaning there was never another one like Jesus, not David, not Isaiah, not Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Malachi, none of them, not Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, not Melchizedek, nobody. There's never been another one and never will be like Jesus Christ. 
He's the one and only direct offspring. Mary conceived a child in her womb by the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. He's the one and only offspring, the one of a kind, the only one of its kind. At his trial, the chief priest asked him point blank, are you the Messiah? Tell me, are you the son of God? And Jesus just bluntly replied, I am. I am. Yeah, you got it right. You got it right. I am the son of God, the one of a kind, the one and only offspring. Never another one before me, never another one after me. I am totally unique in human history. There's never going to be another one. I am begotten by God. I am all God, all man, all man, all God. I am God and I am the son of God, the begotten of God. That's me. Now, this is getting heavy when you stop and think about it. What Jesus said about himself, he also made the spectacular claim that he was the only way to God. Now, this one really gets people today. Uh, I, I was watching a very, very popular talk show host a number of years ago. Well, I wasn't watching the show. I watched a YouTube clip. And this person had somebody in their audience say, Jesus is the only way to God. And this person, this talk show host got very upset and stood up and walked over to this woman with her microphone and said, he can't be the only way. There are many ways to God. He can't be. He is not the only way. And the audience clapped like they always do. But that talk show host was absolutely wrong. See, in our inclusive culture, we don't like the idea that there's only one route, one way, one road to get to God. We like to think we can get to him any old way, our way, our best idea. But there is only one way. Jesus said, Jesus said, I am the only way to God, the only path, the only route, the one and only avenue to personally knowing God. Listen to what he said. I am, I am the way, the truth, and the life No one, no one. Everybody say no one. In the Greek, that means no one. No one. No one. No human being on earth. No one gets to the Father but by me. By me. Not by meditation. Not by some other religion. Not by good intent not by being a good person, not by never getting a traffic ticket, not by being an all-around good guy or good lady. No, no one is ever going to come to know God unless they come through me. It is a totally exclusive claim that we stumble over, but it's true. It's true. It's true. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now notice what he's saying. He's saying, I am not one of several ways. I'm the one and only way. He didn't claim to teach the way, but he claimed to be the way. I don't just know the way, I am the way. If you want a roadway to get to God, any roadway that tells you it's gonna get to God that doesn't include me, 
is a dead-end road. It's a cul-de-sac. You're just going to go around in circles and get nowhere. It's a lying road. It's a deceitful road. It's a false road. If it claims to take you to God when Jesus is not involved in the equation, because there's only one way to plug into God and really know him and experience his life. And that is the way, the truth and the life of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. There's no other way. Now that's a breadcrumb you can quack about. I'm serious. Quack, 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 quack. Hey, did you know, neighbor, that Jesus said he's the only way? He's the way, the truth, and the life. You're not going to get to the Father but through him. Listen, we live in a culture that is so filled with deception, it blows me away. And one of the deceptions out there is that you get there by new age. You get there by this teacher, that teacher, who's claimed to tell you how, how to come to know God and Jesus is not involved. That's a lie. It's a lying way. Jesus said in the last days, there'll be many false prophets, many false Christs, many false teachers. And what is the false teacher's method or message? It is, let me get you to God my way instead of Jesus' way. See, when Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord, Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. And the first couple, Adam and Eve, had, had taught the children that there, there is only one way to deal with the sin issue, and that is blood. Life is in the blood. Without the remission of, uh, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There must be a shedding of blood. So the, both boys heard the family message. Adam and Eve had learned it when they sinned, and God took an animal's life to cover them in animal skin. Something gave its life to cover their sin. And so when they came to make an offering to God, Cain chose his own way, his own idea. He said, I'm going to bring a vegetable offering. I'm going to bring him an offering from the field. I know what mom and dad have said. I know the whole message about the blood, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to go to him my way. And he brought a vegetable offering and offered it to the Lord. And and Abel brought a a, a animal offering, he shed blood. He brought an animal offering, he shed blood. And it says, God received Abel's offering, but rejected Cain's. And God said to Cain, if you do right, will it not go well with you also? But see, Cain's problem was our culture's problem. He said, I don't want to do it God's way. I want to do it my way. I'm going to do with my best idea, My method, that's the way I'm going to get to God. And God shut him out. The only way that God opened the door, the only person he opened the door to was was Abel who brought a animal sacrifice and blood was shed. And the message to our culture today is you don't get to God by your own way, by any good idea. There is only one road, one path, one avenue, one street. And it is Jesus Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't go by him, your offering, your idea will be rejected by God. Amen. Come on, everybody. How many of you are glad you came to him by way of the shed blood of Jesus? How many of you can say, how many of you can say, watch this, that that I tried some of my own ways and they did not work. 
But, but, but when I came to him by way of the cross and the shed blood, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit was poured out on me. The life of God was poured out on me. I came into direct contact with God, direct relationship with the Father. He became my Father. I became his child when I came by way of the shed blood. It's the only way. It's the only way. Nobody made claims like Jesus did. Nobody. And many of your friends, let me say it again, many of your friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, don't know what you're hearing today. I'm giving you breadcrumbs to share. I'm giving you a reason to go out and talk about him. I'm giving you a reason to come out of your own issues, your own problems, your own stuff, and, and reach out and tell somebody about Jesus, because listen, I can't do it all. You know people I don't know. You're gonna come into contact with people starting today that I will never meet, that I don't personally know, but they're in your orbit and you need to make like that duck and go out there and quack that you have found something worth eating. Come on, everybody. Come on. Jesus then made the amazing claim that he could give everlasting life, life without dying, life with no end. Listen to what he said. He said, I give my followers eternal life and they shall never perish. I give my followers, not the curious, not those who simply know my name, But those who are following me, who have turned to me, who have come to me by faith, I give to them, I personally give to them eternal life. And they will never, ever perish. Life without dying. Life with no end. Life age upon age. Eon upon eon. Life that never ends. I give, I give, I give it. Only I can give it. Buddha can't give it. Confucius can't give it. Muhammad can't give it, but I can give it. I give eternal life. Eternal life. He didn't just tell people how they could find everlasting life or how to deepen their own life experience. He actually claimed to give eternal life himself, to bequeath it to those who place their faith in him. Isn't that amazing? The minute, the minute that I look up and I say, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. I turn to you by faith to be my savior. The minute you do that, he gives you eternal life. He just gives it to you. He gives it to you because before he gives it to you, let me tell you what you have, eternal death. He gives you eternal life in the place of eternal death. He gives you life instead of death, joy instead of sorrow, sight instead of blindness, hope instead of hopelessness. Jesus gives to you at that moment of salvation, eternal life. You become a spiritual trillionaire on the spot. Finally, the most stunning claim Jesus ever made, and this was a crazy claim. If he wasn't who he said he was, this was a crazy claim. He said, they're going to kill me, 
And I'm going to be as dead as anybody ever was dead, but I'm coming back to life. Huh? What? Say that again? Are you telling me that you're going to die dead? And then you're going to come back from the... Nobody, dude, comes back from the dead. When you're dead, you're dead. Dead is dead. But Jesus said, not me. Because I'm not normal. I'm not typical. I'm like you, but I'm not like you. See, I don't have any sin. There is nothing the devil has on me. He can't kill me. Because death is the result of sin. And I've never sinned. I never had to look up and say, Father, forgive me. I didn't mean to do that. Oops, forgive me. Jesus never had a shadow pass between him and God. Jesus never had to repent. Listen to what he told his disciples. He said, he said let me tell you guys what's about to go down in just a few days towards the end of his ministry. He said, he took the 12 aside and said to them, behold, we're going up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They're going to scourge him and kill him. And then he said, the third day he will rise again. Now he said it. He didn't leave any question about what he was claiming. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be able to give people eternal life. And he claimed when they kill me, I'm going to come back. I'm not staying down. I'm coming back. I'm going to come back to life. And this claim, if you stop and think about it, put everything on the line. Because all that Jesus had said, all that he had said, all that he had claimed about himself was all put on the line, all the works. I'm God. I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I give eternal life. You'll never die if you believe in me. Everything was put on the line by this one claim. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, all his teaching, all his works, all his claims would go down the drain. If he didn't rise from the dead, he's a fake, he's a fraud, he's a phony, he's a scam artist, he's a liar. If he doesn't rise from the dead. But Jesus willingly rested everything on this claim. When they kill me, I will rise from the dead. And the Bible says he indisputably arose. Paul the apostle writes, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. And he was raised from the dead on the third day. And he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scriptures said, Paul says, let me tell you who all saw him. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and then he was seen by all the apostles. He rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, it validated everything he ever claimed, everything he ever did. It was all validated by the resurrection. If there is no resurrection, let's go home and forget church. But there is a resurrection. He did rise from the dead. Amen, amen. Now, as, as we look at these amazing statements made by Jesus Christ, there's going to be only one conclusion. Only one, and here's what the culture needs to hear. He was either a legend or a liar or a lunatic or a Lord and God. 
There is no other conclusion you can draw based on what he said. Well-known Christian author C.S. Lewis wrote, either he was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He was either Lord or lunatic. And I know he was no lunatic because not only did he rise from the dead, he raised me from the dead and you from the dead and change your life. So let's stand together, can we? Say with me, he was God. He was the son of God. He's the giver of eternal life. He rose from the dead. And now let's do this. He's coming back soon. Lord of lords, king of kings. Come on, everybody. He was God the Son, the only begotten Son of God, very God himself, wrapped in human form, sinless, spotless, sacrifice for our sins, and the soon coming Messiah. He'll split that eastern sky, trumpet will blow, and up we're going to go. He came once, he's coming again. Amen? So everybody say, quack. Now see... I'm telling you, we got something to quack about. If those ducks can quack about a little piece of bread into the water, hey, I can quack about what I just heard today. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. For amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Thank you, Lord, that we are not worshiping a myth, a fable, just another religious leader but you are God son of God raiser of the dead giver of eternal life soon coming king now Lord we give this Easter to you it's here Lord in just a couple weeks I pray Lord that we will have an Easter like none other that you will help me starting with me help me to invite people who I know don't know you help us to get out there and share it and not be selfish with the bread we have found and Lord thank you that we're going to see an incredible Easter now with your heads bowed maybe somebody's here today and say you know Jeff I don't have that bread. I've been in church some. I'm visiting today. But I'm not sure that I know Jesus. I'm going to say a simple prayer. Listen carefully to me. You may never have another chance like this one right now. You may never have another chance like right now to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. So I'm just not ready. There's, There's not a better time. You may never be in another church service. You may never hear the gospel like this again. I'm offering you the bread of life, not bread in a water that ducks eat, 
but the bread of life. So I'm going to say a simple prayer, and you can pray with me. I prayed it when I was in juvenile homes. A 16-year-old boy in all kinds of trouble, I prayed it. And Jesus changed my life. And I'm going to pray this now. Pray it with me. Say, Lord Jesus. You can do it. You may not have prayed in a long time, but just pray it. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead. Jesus, forgive me my sins that I've sinned against God. Forgive me. I come to you by way of your shed blood, the only way. Now, Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. In your mighty name, I pray. Now, with your heads bowed, if you prayed that with me, would you slip your hand up right where you are? Slip it up and let me see. I see you real high. Don't be ashamed of him. He wasn't ashamed of you. God bless you and you. Amen. Well, several prayed. Now, listen, those of you that prayed, I'm looking your way. And as soon as I end this service, I want to invite you to come down and say, Jeff, I prayed with you because I want to give you something real important. Okay? So I'm going to wait for you. How many of you are glad you came to church today? 